Podcast brought to you by the Mary Christie Institute, a thought leadership organization dedicated to the behavioral health and well being of teens and young adults. We have a particular focus on college students. I'm Marjorie Malpedi, the executive director of the Mary Christie Institute. And I'm Dana Humphrey, the associate director of the Mary Christie Institute, and we're the hosts of the podcast. Hi, I'm Marjorie Malpedi. As colleges and universities grapple with the rising rates of student mental health issues, prevention is now front and center. And while counseling centers everywhere are trying innovative strategies to serve the students who are showing up, administrators in all departments are beginning to explore the upstream preventative strategies that promise to help a large number of students before their distress becomes clinical. So today we are talking with two administrators from the University of Michigan who are working at just that. Anne Curzan is the Dean of the College of Literature, Science, and Arts at the University of Michigan. And Jocelyn Johnson is the Assistant Dean of Student Development and Career Initiatives, also at LSA, as it is called. Welcome to both of you. Thanks. Delighted to be here. Yeah, so happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks, ladies. And I want to start with you, Anne. So a little bit about LSA at Michigan. It just obviously did a little glancing at the website and saw there was an awful lot of language about well-being already up there before I learned about this new program that we're going to be talking about today, which is the Mental Health and Well-Being Student Advocates. But maybe start with a little bit about what well-being looks like at LSA and how it's part of its mission. I'm happy to, and I'm really pleased that when you looked at our website, you felt like you could see well-being all over the website. It's one of our core values in the college. Let me back up and just give a little context here. So as many listeners will know, the University of Michigan is a very large research university with a deep commitment to undergraduate education. And LSA, which as you notice, what we call the College of Literature, Science, and the Arts, is the liberal arts college at the heart of the university. We have over 18,000 undergraduates. So everything we're doing here, we're doing at scale, as I say, because we're a very big place. At the same time, we are deeply committed to helping every student thrive. And we use that verb a lot because we want students to come here and then be able to figure out their goals and aspirations and support students in achieving those here and the next chapter after here. We want to help them be healthy because we know they will be better learners if they are healthy, if they're feeling well. And we want to bring joy to learning and to being part of this community. And when I came in as the dean in the fall of 2019, I very intentionally wanted to use words like well-being and joy alongside exploration and inclusion. And here I'm naming some of our core values. That very first fall, we did work around our mission, our vision, and our values. Our mission around education is fostering the next generation of rigorous and empathetic thinkers, creators, and contributors to the state, the nation, and the world. And that combination of rigorous and empathetic is really important to us. It's the kinds of questions you're asking the way you go about answering those questions and trying to understand the world from perspectives that are different from your own. So I could go on about our core values. So I'm going to let you turn it back over to hear what you want to hear about. But we have five of them, exploration, common good, inclusion, 
well-being, there it is, listed in our core values, and integrity. Wow, that's great. And, and you know what? Again, it did come through loud and clear in the work that you do. And I also noticed that you're part of the Akhenagan Charter of Health Promoting Universities. I'm really curious about this, Anne, because the work that you're doing sounds to me like something we might have, we might find at a small liberal arts college, but to be doing this on, at this scale is really impressive. I'll ask Jocelyn a little bit about the program that she and I spoke about, which is one of the reasons I wanted you guys to come on the podcast because I'm really excited about hearing about it. Jocelyn, the mental health and well-being student advocates is a really interesting, I think, precedent-setting program. Again, this is something you guys are starting as a pilot at LSA. Can you describe this work and also do a tie-in to what Anne was talking about in terms of how this sort of fits with your key priorities? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been just really excited about this program because of the way that it really zooms out and takes a look at things from a systematic level. And so as you heard Dean Kurzan talk about just how we're wanting to really prepare the next leaders who will be empathetic thinkers. And also as a part of the big picture, when looking at the different values within the college, we also have two core areas that really align with this that are different actions. And one is leading systemic change, and the other is fostering a culture of purpose and well-being. So as we thought about the mental health and well-being advocates, we wanted to think about a structure that would really think about things early on rather than focusing on just crisis management. We wanted to think more about how could we prevent some of the things that were causing students to fall into different crisis situations. And so in order to do that, we knew that we needed it to be a fully integrated system. And that's the LSA approach as well when we think about the advocates in particular. So it's a college-wide planning and implementation for mental health and well-being and student support needs, but it's also working as liaisons across the campus. So you mentioned us being a part of the Okanagan Charter, so that makes us a health-promoting university. And as part of that, the University of Michigan also started the Wellbeing Collective and recognizing that in order to really have an impact on student mental health and well-being, it's something that has to be integrated across the entire campus. So the mental health and well-being student advocates are also a special key part in that role and that they're liaisons to the greater collective and focusing on being a health-promoting university and also leaning into providing more communication and advocacy as it relates to providing different proposals and policies that may need to be changed. So I'm going to zoom out just a little bit, and then you may have different questions that come up. But this is a three-year pilot, so we know this is something that we can't just do in a couple of days in one academic year because we're wanting to assess where we are as a college. And then based on some of those different assessments, start to look at what recommendations need to be made so that we can make some different changes. So rather than start just a new program that's focused on students' current mental health or crisis that may be taking place or different counseling strategies that we can implement, we're wanting to find out how is the college at wide from an upstream perspective having an impact on students? Are there different policies that we can change that will either be of greater support to students or that can serve as interventions early on? Just a couple of questions. 
So the mental health and well-being student advocates, they are people, they're yeah. human beings, but, <laughs> but it, they are also a strategy. And I just wondered for our listeners, if you could just differentiate that there are currently two people that are in charge of this work. And then, um, then I'll let you get back to sort of how it's sort of unfolding there. And it sounds like the first part may have to do with assessment. Yes, absolutely. So we have two individuals who have stepped into this role. They are full-time staff at the university. I know student advocate is in the word, in the title, but student advocate is focused on the work that they're doing for students. They are Brandon Bond and Janelle Zora. They come with experience and background in public health, as well as in social work and doing different work with students. So they've had a bit of a big picture as it relates to thinking about things from a systems level, but they both also have experience working one-on-one with students as it relates to wellness. And they've heard a lot about some of the different needs that are already at hand. So it's been really nice to bring them on board. And in their roles, they're looking at how can they help to look at the big picture although there's just two of them, it's because they're primarily focused on assessing and evaluating. Great. Great. Thank you. You were talking about assessing. and I think that's really interesting. So before you actually, well, one of the first things you're doing is sort of looking at the landscape, right? Correct. And so if it's helpful, I can talk a little bit about some of the things that they do. And we can also juxtapose it to some of the things that they don't do since it's just to bring more clarity to their roles. So as far as the assessing process, one of the first things is conducting focus groups as well as listening circles with students to learn more about their experiences. And so we are at the beginning of this pilot, and so that will be launching in the fall. However, they already have started the process of also having conversations with faculty and staff to learn about what they've seen, and they also provide consultation. So if faculty and staff have things that they would like to talk to them about, they're helping them to create more inclusive environments for well-being and to help think about what they can do early if students are struggling. They also are listening and partnering with multiple stakeholders on well-being needs across the campus. And then from there, starting to provide recommendations after the assessment process and eventually will create reports on behalf of students so that we can introduce new policies that will lead systemic change and really facilitate thriving communities for our students. And so juxtaposing that, the advocates are not individuals who are providing individual appointments for students. They aren't doing a lot of wellness workshops as far as going to classrooms. We have wonderful partners across that do that work. So they're not in the diagnosis work or providing, no one will provide referrals directly to our advocates for counseling. So that just helps to show a little bit of the differences between their roles and some of our wonderful partners that do more work within the counseling space. Right, right. And it sounds like, again, this is why it is a pilot. It sounds like this is something that will result in a lot of information on which you will make some recommendations. I want to bring Anne back in. This to me is a, it's a really different approach to student mental health. Very thoughtful. And again, it crosses departments. So much of this work has to date been about counseling. And, and as Jocelyn says, there's great people that are doing that work. But what, what made you try something like this at LSA? I have been thinking about student mental health and well-being for years. And it was really brought home to me in 2018 and 19 when I was asked to co-chair a task force for the university 
about the future of undergraduate education as we went into our third century as a university. So a very small task on this task force. What's the future of undergraduate education? We went and talked to a lot of students. And one of the things the students kept coming back to was well-being and their own struggles and the ways in which their struggles with well-being were getting in the way of learning. And they were very clear about that. And they were also clear about systems that we have in place that are not promoting well-being, thinking about things such as the ways we grade or how we schedule classes. So coming out of that report, I was really thinking about how do you support student well-being as part of our mission in structural ways, in addition to counseling. So clearly having adequate counseling services is critical. It's That occurs at Michigan in student life, and we want to really support those efforts. So then the question was, what can we do in the college? And what I realized was that it's something that I think about and worry about a lot when people say, what keeps you up at night? Student well-being is one of the things that keeps me up at night. It was also only a small percentage of this very large portfolio I have as the dean. And Jocelyn also has a very large portfolio. She came into her role a couple of years ago, also thinking deeply about purpose and well-being. So many people on my team are thinking about this. We needed advocates whose full-time job it was to think about student well-being and structures to be able to map out the landscape and help us think about interventions, help us think about programs that we could scale because we have over 18,000 students. And that's how we arrived at this idea of student mental health and well-being advocates. And one of the things that I love about LSA is that when we pilot something, we are showing whether or not it can work at scale. Can this serve a very large college with a lot of undergraduate students? And in the past, we've done this with other pilots where the university will then pick it up because we've shown that it can work. Mm -hmm. So that's a little background of how we got to this idea. And Jocelyn helped us design what those positions would look like. And then we had a wonderful pool of people who applied for this very unusual position of an advocate. And Jocelyn, I want to ask you, as well, because I remember we had a previous conversation, you were talking about your other work. And as Anne talks about how integrated this is to the mission, talk a little bit about how this makes sense from your perspective in terms of the other work that you're doing there. Yeah, we had an opportunity to talk a little bit about the Opportunity Hub. And it is our space for students where they're really connecting the learning that they're having in the classroom to their liberal arts education, to helping them develop their professional identities and really meaning making for their launch into the world post-graduation. And so we know that a big part of purpose, really well-being coincides with it very closely and having a sense of fulfillment. So when we think about this, even connects to the eight dimensions of well-being, right? Occupational wellness is even a piece of that. So when thinking about the advocates and how they also can help to learn about what's purposeful to students and what are their needs too when it comes to figuring out who they are and exploring what's important to them, how that also plays a, a role and has a through line and even how they show up in the classroom. 
Because when you have a sense of fulfillment and purpose, it makes you really come alive more in the other things that you're doing. You have a greater capacity to learn as well. So it helps to pull these different pieces together. Because sometimes I think when we think about mental health and well-being, it can get put into this smaller box where we're just thinking about it from just how someone's emotions are in that particular day or It could go into the other side where someone's thinking about maybe a different mental health disorder that someone is dealing with, but it's such a bigger picture than just one element. These All these elements matter, but when we think about a student in this case, holistically, it helps to be able to center all of these different portions of wellness. So when we were having our conversation and purpose was coming to the forefront, to me, the role of purpose, whether you're thinking about it in professional development or purpose when we're thinking about it more holistically when it comes to well-being, one doesn't start in one place and end in another. To me, it's very much integrated because as people, we're very complex. And so being able to do this work from that angle is also really exciting to me because it's helping to center things from a very holistic perspective. Right. Jumping off of that, and I'll ask you both this question about implementation, right? So there, you talk about the eight dimensions of well-being, and many are not directly tied to any one department, right? Like mental health. And that is, again, the premise of the Advocates Program is that they're embedded into many different departments. And I might start with you. That's not always an easy thing at higher ed. And I'm just wondering, has that been a challenge? What has been the response from department heads or faculty or how is that all working? I have to start by saying we're still in early days of this. And the question you're asking is an important one and one that Jocelyn and I and the two advocates are thinking a lot about. We know how important communication and connection is. So for the advocates reaching out to department heads, to directors of undergraduate studies, so that A, people understand what they do and what they can offer. B, the advocates can learn the landscape in all of our units in terms of what do people need? What are they hoping for with this program? And then, I guess, C, start to understand what interventions we need locally. I think what we've heard so far, and Jocelyn, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, from chairs and directors across the college is relief and appreciation that we're taking this seriously, that we have people whose full-time job it is to think about this, and an understanding that we are and need to think about this as a structural issue in addition to an individual issue. And that's where I think being so clear with people that the advocates are not counselors. Again, counselors are very important, but they're going to be making recommendations to us about how do we do our work? How are students learning? How can we help them thrive? And I've said to both advocates, because I thought they really need to hear this from the dean, that no questions are off limits. I've sometimes had people, you know, well, could you really ask questions about grading or about this? Like, you can ask questions about everything. That's what it means to think about and implement systemic change. Justin, I wonder if you have a comment. I very much echo a lot of those sentiments. And currently, the advocates have been having the opportunity to have these different listening tours with staff. And in some cases, they've had some early conversations with faculty as well. And it really has been about what are some things that we can do 
to be more supportive or in some cases feeling like this is such a big thing to tackle, as you mentioned. And so it definitely has been welcomed. And there's more opportunities to think about how can it be embedded wellness into um, how they're thinking about instruction or how can they include it into the syllabi to help students understand Mm -hmm. that if they have certain concerns about something that they can signal to them early about how they can be able to reach out. So there's a lot of things that we're learning and that we will yet to learn still here in the future. But going back to the well-being collective at the university is recognizing that this is way too big for one or two people, that this is multiple departments and multiple units that will be and have to be involved with this so that we can tackle all of these different dimensions because they all touch on one another in the process. And the advocates are in a position to be able to be a part of so many of these different task force and different liaison committees in order to help streamline these different areas into into one place. But it definitely, it's a, it's a big task to tackle and one that we're excited about, but also recognizing that it's, it's going to take it's going to take everybody. It's going to be all hands on deck. So my last question is, what is your vision for what may come of this endeavor? Because it may influence a lot of different areas, right? I think you're right that this will need to happen and will happen at all levels and in every corner of the college and the university. This is going to take partnerships both within the college and across the university. I look forward to the recommendations from the advocates as we go. My guess is that this will be things happening in classrooms where we're helping faculty who are interested get more information about ways that they can be cultivating well-being as part of learning. It will be policies. I can also imagine we started a few years ago something called LSA at Play, which is community gatherings for students. Again, we're big, but we still throw parties and movie nights and soups and swag during the winter and this sort of thing where we bring students together because we know that community is an important part of well-being. Mentorship, how can we expand peer mentorship so that complements counseling services that are available? There's so many places where we can intervene. And that's why I'm grateful to have these advocates who can think holistically about all the ways that students are interacting with the university and faculty and staff and each other. No, that's great. Again, I'm just so impressed by this program because I do think that it's really innovative. And again, it's not the size or scale, it's more the intentionality of it. So I, I congratulate both of you for getting this off the ground. And I wish you the best of luck and to the advocates themselves of this next, I guess it's two more years? Two more, two more years of the pilot. But I will say I am very optimistic that this we're going to show how important this is to the mission of the college and the university. And we'll be figuring out how you bake this into what we do. That sounds terrific. Again, thank you both for being with me today. It was great to hear about this terrific initiative. Things are obviously going great at LSA at Michigan. You've got a lot of good things going on, and I appreciate you telling your story. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the invitation. This has been the Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to marychristieinstitute.org. 
where you can sign up for our other programs like the MC Feed and the Merry Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening.